Thanks for listening to the River in the Hills weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Nate Cashdan. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Good morning. I haven't even started yet. You don't even know what I'm going to say. Oh, you're back there. Yeah. I could be up here ready to rebuke you. Uh, There it is, yeah. See, that's faithful. You stick to it even when it's hard. I'm so. uh, Ken, if you're in the lobby, can you bring me a bottle of water, please? Thank you so much. Ken's not my assistant. He's just the usher today, so. Um, Hey, it's good to be with you. Um, What an honor to, to... to speak and preach this morning. Thanks, Ken. <laughs> Thanks, Zeb. Zeb had uh, me in the car, just me and him, I don't know, probably a few months ago. And he's like, Dad, he's like, Who, who's your favorite kid? <laughs> and I'm like, nope, we're not going to do that. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, I know. He's like, I know. I know. I know, you don't have favorites, but like, you know, Zeb and Zoe aren't here right now, so, you know, who's your, who's your favorite kid, and I want you guys to know that I was really tempted in that moment, it, like, he was, it was so man to man, brother to brother, father to son, you know, I, they beat you to it, Gary, I'm sorry, you can have it, um, and I just want you to know that I resisted, and I stayed really strong, and I said, I just said to him, Zeb, it's Zoe. <laughs> Kidding. Zeke's sitting back there like, I haven't heard this story. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. It's a great, be like, are we at a wedding? No, this gets read at weddings a lot. Actually, I read at y'all's wedding a few months ago. Um, but we're actually going to read before the uh, wives submit to your husband's part. All the wives are like, thank God. <laughs> no, husbands are like, dang it. But uh, good word here. Actually, I was driving in the car, um, and the Lord kind of downloaded this to me. Um, so it was kind of cool. I waited till I stopped to take notes on it. But um, sometimes I don't. <laughs> sometimes it's like, <gasps> I got to get it out quick. Sometimes I'll do a voice recording. But, uh, yeah, I waited. It was good. So, but I want to talk to you, if you have notes, um, th- there's, no, there's not really any information on the notes, they're just for you to write down, so, um, but Lydia will get you some if you need some, just put your hand up and leave it up until she gets to you, um, if you want to write some stuff down, it's fine. I told Kyle this morning, it's a half page note, so it's half page, but it's full page anointed, so, you know, if, you f- if you're really struggling with the half page, she'll give you two, and you guys can tape them together, so. Okay, but I want to talk today about one verse and uh, three practical ways to apply one verse into our lives. You know that if you read one verse a day uh, out of the Bible, it would take like over 85 years to get through the Bible. So maybe that's like your lifetime reading plan. Okay, if you start really young, right, uh, you can just read through the Bible and then some, if, you know, when you're blessed with long life. So 
but yeah, one verse, something like 31,000 something verses or whatever. Yeah, I looked it up, but I don't, I didn't write it down. I'm not that much of a nerd. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, one verse that really stuck out to me, and, I, and the Lord just started showing me um, how it's not just a standalone verse, it's actually a theme, a New Testament theme. So uh, that's what we're going to look at today. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would reveal truths from your word to us today, God, that we can actually um, apply. And Father, that we would work past, Lord, courageously hard things, that we would stop being so soft. And would actually and, and would toughen up and work through really hard things and sacrifice really hard things. Because that on the other side of that, Lord, what if you what if you decided not to endure the cross because it was too hard? I thank you, Lord, that you knew what you were getting into and did it anyways. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right. So Ephesians, we're just gonna, I'm going to read you this passage, probably verses 15 through 21, and 21 is our key verse that we're going to look at, but I don't have time. I, I, you can preface Ephesians for days. Ephesians is an amazing book. I love, them. I love the epistles because you can just read them start to finish, you know what I mean, and, it's, and you can get the whole chunk of information in there, which is good. Um, but Paul is writing, he's writing to believers at the church of Ephesus, and he, he gives them a lot of really good encouragements. He actually, there's some apostolic prayers from this book that we still pray today uh, that he was praying for them. And uh, anyways, I'm going to read one portion uh, before we get into our key portion just to kind of tee up a little bit about what was on Paul's heart as he was writing this to this church, this body of believers. So in starting in um, chapter 4, verse 1, this is Paul. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Be completely humble. Everybody say completely humble. I said everybody say completely humble. Thank you. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. No, I'm just kidding. You're not my kids. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Do you know that when it tells you to bear with one another, that means that there's going to be things to bear with with one another. You know that? When it's like, be patient with one another, and you're like, yeah, and you're like, no. Do you understand what needs to happen for patience to be able to have to be used? Yes, you do understand. Okay. Uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Okay, so a lot of, this is a, this is a recurring theme in this book of Ephesians, okay? Paul is exhorting the church at Ephesus to be one, to be one in spirit, to be one in the things they pray about, to saying, hey, this gospel that you received, you received it all together. Now go together and do things with it together that are all good. Like, he's, he's saying, stay together, and he, and he repeats this theme of humility over and over again, okay? And then sort of the, the latter part of the book, starts breaking it down into very specific instructions based on people groups, so to speak, wives, husbands, children, slaves. Like, it breaks it down very specifically, okay? But I love the way that he writes it because, because once the instructions that can be difficult start, he's already exhorted and encouraged us for us to believe, hey, we can do this. So the church at Ephesus, they're hearing this read to them, and they're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he came with the right to, they went, oh, yeah, we can do it, right, there wasn't this like, uh, 
this like walk away like ah, it wasn't any good he just came with a rebuke and we're no good and we can't do it he had built them up and and we should be built up the same today but skip over to chapter 5 and starting in verse 15 paul writes be very careful then how you live not as unwise but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil is this verse still applicable today maybe more than it was then there's not too many verses that are applicable more today than they were than they were written when they were written all right therefore verse 17 do not be foolish understand what the lord's will is do not get drunk on wine or jack or vodka cranberries or white claw or fill in the blank which leads to debauchery instead be filled with the spirit speak to one another with psalms hymns and spiritual songs sing and make music in your heart to the lord always giving thanks to god God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Everybody say submit. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I'm going to tell you a story. Who likes stories? Yeah, Nate likes stories. I sit around the table and every night and my kids are like, Dad, tell us a story about your life. By this time, I'm out of them, so I just make them up. I just... And my favorite one is how I met Kaylee after she got out of prison. Like, it's this whole, <laughs> it's this epic story. When, when I started it, I, you guys, and it's, it's scary how straight-faced that I stayed. And I was so proud of Kaylee for how straight-faced she, she stayed through the, because she's not good at that. But I went on to this 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, you know, she had actually got shot. And then she, and, on, and, and I looked at the kids, and their mouths were open. And they wouldn't look at Kaylee. <laughs> because you know what they're thinking. They're thinking, like, I still love my mom. I don't want her to feel awkward. She's obviously redeemed. God, you know, she's all these thoughts. And then, like, we never knew this. What's happened? What's going to happen to us? What are people going to think of us? Should we, all these thoughts going through their head. And I just let it sit for, like, 30 seconds in silence. And then they finally told them, you guys know I'm kidding, right? And they're, like, <laughs> like, letting it all out. So, anyways, yeah, story time with Dad. But... Some of you know parts of this story. Some of these stories or parts of this are in my book, but um, not most of you don't know this. But so, oh, what year is this? I was going to say however many years ago. But starting around 2009, Kaylee and I really started a, a journey of basically humility. Well, Kaylee's always been humble. Nate started a journey of humility. Kaylee went along with Nate and uh, for support. But basically, I was specifically as it related to what I was believing about God, okay? So I, I, uh, I had a belief most of, most of my early life of what, what's referred to in the church as cessationism, which is a big fancy word for I don't believe the New Testament the way that it's laid out, but it basically means that I don't believe that, that uh, miracles are for today, tongues are for today. I, don't, I believe that uh, what they might be referred to as power gifts ceased, uh, either with the canonization of scripture, death of the last supposed apostle, um, which I don't believe that there's been a death of the last apostle yet. So that's another, you know, not in the club for that belief either. But anyway, so I, I believed all this and I taught it um, and um, in our, our church. And anyway, so, you know, a friend of mine who's actually going to be here in a few weeks, which is really cool, um, he got up and preached a great message, and it convicted me. And for the first time, I decided to make a humble decision. I had a humble response, and I decided to 
maybe look into some of these things that I had oh, just completely rejected. And I'm talking about rejected in, in arrogance and ignorance. Like, like, I would say it was wrong, but I actually didn't even know what I was talking about. What it was is it didn't line up with what I believed, therefore it was wrong. Right? Anybody ever done that? No, of course you haven't. Um, excuse me. I got a little bit of the body of the Lord stuck in my throat, so um, just give it a sec. Um, so anyways, start this journey, and I had a, my friend, Darren, he was basically like nine months ahead of me in this journey, so it was really helpful to have somebody to kind of, you know, bounce some things off of, and, but I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pretend I know nothing about the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to go back to the Bible and, and what does the word of God say, which is very hard because you start reading passages and, and you just like read over it real quick and you're like, oh, no, I have to go back and read it because basically you realize the things you've been believing don't line up with the word of God at all. And you're like, where do we get, how did people, how did I stand up there with the Bible and teach these things when they're not actually in it? And why did so many people that have been saved for so many decades look at me and go, Amen. And I'm like, how did that even happen? How could it happen? How can I sit there and read a passage that says, you will do greater things. And I can sit there and go, that's not what it means. If the literal sense makes sense, seek no other sense. That's what it says. That's what he meant. The verse says, the verse says those who believe in me will do the same things. And then we argued about the second half and even greater things. Well, that doesn't mean greater things. That means greater in scope because there's going to be more of us. There's only one of Jesus and there's, you know, millions of us. I'm like, okay, fine. What about the first part of the verse that says we're going to do the same things? Forget about the greater things. But the first part of the verse says we're going to do the same things. Where's our argument? I'll tell you what happens during those times. You just start getting accused of being a heretic with no, there's no receipts behind the accusation. So anyways, you get gaslighted. All right. So I'm in this, I'm sorry, this story, I'll, I'll pick it up. I'm in this season. And what's happening is I'm, I'm walking in enough humility to where I'm able to hear the, hear the Lord like in what kind of things to step into and believe but I'm trying to make all of them fit with my old belief system. I want both, right? Why? Do you know what the motivation in that is? The fear of man. I don't want anybody to not like me. So I want everybody's beliefs to fit with mine, right? Because I don't want to upset anyone. Really, I'm afraid of what these influential guys that have been teaching me for so many years, I'm afraid of what they're going to think of me when I come and say, hey, I don't actually believe that anymore. I don't think that's what the Word of God says, okay? Fast, this is a different story, but fast forward, I'm going, Lord... Which is it? Which is it? Which is it? He shows me a picture of, you know, all these people that I've met in my life who, who basically are in this cessationist camp and in these interactions I've had with them of pride and arrogance and anger and bride bashing and uh, accusation and all these things. And then he shows me this picture of all these people, these charismatics that I've known through my life and they're forgiving and filled with grace and love and acceptance and, and just... And, quick to repent and quick to, for unity, and they exhibit all these things. And, and you know what the Lord said to me? The Lord said to me, Nate, they're both my kids. Which one do you want to be identified with? And he told me they don't fit. 
they're not, those belief systems don't, they're not meant to go together. They're not, then you're not going to be able to bring this old, these old wineskins into this, it's wrong wineskins, broken wineskins, into where I'm calling you. And I said, okay. And I submitted. And every single thing that I thought would happen, happened. Everyone who I thought would, would slander me, slandered me. Everyone who I thought would stop talking to me, stopped talking to me. Everyone who I thought would go and tell other people about how I was a brainwashed New Age emotionalist went and did it. Every single one of them. And I still wouldn't have done anything different. It's okay. I see a couple of them I now have a relationship with again. But for 10 years, they didn't want to have anything to do with me. I was the black sheep that they lost, basically. So the one that uh, didn't make it too weak to embrace the right belief. So I'm, I'm back 2009, 2010. We're learning how to hear from the Lord. I'm walking in enough humility, but I'm still struggling with a lot of things. One of the things I'm struggling with is tongues. Okay? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, we can hear from God. Okay. Outside, you know, like we hear from God in his word, and the Lord can speak to us. I'm like, this was a big pill for me to swallow. I'm like, okay, maybe. Like, he hasn't spoken to me, but I believe he speaks to you, and I want that. So if it's for me, yes. So I go to this guy's house for a home group meeting. We have our home group goes and meets at another friend's house. He's a he's a friend slash acquaintance. He's a police officer, a few years older than me. I respect him a lot, um, and I I know with everything that's in me that he believes just like I do. So I'm like, yeah, let's go. So I walk into his house, and there's maybe 14 of us in his living room, and he's sprawled out on his couch, just laying on his couch. I'm like, all right, his house, whatever, <laughs> you can do whatever you want. So there, there, but there's a bunch of ladies there, right? And uh, so I'm sitting on like a bench, and all these ladies walk in, I give up my seat, and I go sit on the floor, or whatever, and there's people sitting on the floor, and now there's ladies sitting on the floor, and he's sprawled out on the couch. And I'm like, jerk, get up off the couch. What are you doing? You know, and, but I don't know him well enough, right? If I was been at Kyle's house, I'd been like, bro, get your feet up off the couch. People need to sit down. But I don't, I don't know him enough, and he, but he's staying on, and so he, we whatever, home group started, hey, Seth's going to share his testimony now. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm going to have to get over the fact that this dude still won't stop laying down on his couch. He's going to share his testimony with us. I'm like, whatever. And so he shares testimony. His testimony starts going. It's very similar to mine. His upbringing was very similar to mine. And I'm going, yep, yep, this ends well. Like, like he's going to come and reinforce, you know, every, and all this charismatic stuff that I'm trying to embrace. I'll know that it's wrong or whatever. Or I'll know exactly what to believe. So he's sharing his testimony. And he gets to this part. He's like, I was in my early 20s. I went to this missions trip to Africa. And uh, he goes, he goes, I'm really struggling because, you know, the church is very charismatic there. And, and uh, you know, they're doing a lot of stuff that I'd never really seen. But, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of at a place where I just want to wholeheartedly follow the Lord. So I'm in this meeting. And um, he's like, I'm standing there by myself in the middle of the room during worship. And all of a sudden, I feel somebody just shove me down on the ground. Because I got all mad, and I turned around, and there's nobody there. There's nobody pushing me on the ground. He's like, I was kind of weirded out, so I stood back up, and somebody shoved me on the ground again. I'm like, where's this going, Seth? Like, what are you talking about? And he gets back up, you know, and there's nobody there. And then he, I don't remember exactly how the details went, but basically he, like, runs to the altar, because he feels like somebody's pushing him, runs to the altar, falls down on his knees, and starts speaking in tongues. So, laying on the couch, I'm already offended. 
And now his story turns to, and all that was like the climax of his story is I speak in tongues and it's real and I've done it ever since, which I didn't know. Closet charismatic. And uh, I'm like, oh my gosh. But let me tell you, this is, listen up, this is what happened. In that moment, everything in my flesh went and clenched fist. Everything in my flesh. But my spirit went and blossomed up and opened up. And that was the first time that I remember that happening. It was, a, it was humility that I'd never experienced before. It was, now I had stepped into it. Don't hear me say that you just wait around for the Holy Spirit to make you humble. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says humble yourself. But in that moment, somehow, I humbled myself to the point where I could receive what he was saying as truth for the first time about tongues. So he finished his testimony. I walk out, you know, home groups, whatever. Oh, here's what's funny. I walk up to him. I'm like, hey, bro, thanks for sharing your testimony. I'm like, I'm opened up to the tongues part, still offended that he laid on the couch the whole time and there's girls sitting on the floor. He's like, bro, I was really glad to even be able to share it. He's like, I just got out of my vasectomy procedure like two hours ago. So, <laughs> and then Nate's like, <laughs> I'm like, do you need anything? Can I serve you? Do you need ice? I'm like, I'm not going to offer you a massage, but it's like, I mean, <laughs> I felt this bit. Anyway, so I told him. I was, I'm like, Seth, I've been sitting here like cursing you in my heart all night because you won't give up your seat on the couch. <laughs> I said, I'm so sorry. And he's laughing. He thinks it's hilarious. He's like, no. He's like, he goes, I was doing that to myself. Like, you lazy bum, why can't you get up off the couch? He's like, bro, but I couldn't move. <laughs> it's like, I couldn't move the whole time. I just said, if I can just sit here and not move, I can share my testimony. And I'm like, bro, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so anyways, I walk outside, and Darren, my friend, comes up to me, and he's, because he's like, there's probably a fire I need to put out with Nate. He knows me really well. He's like, Seth just shared about tongues. Nate's probably going to renounce his faith. So he walks outside, and he's like, he's like, hey, hey. He'll get in the car. He's like, what are you, what are you, uh, how you doing? And I said, I said, I said, you know what? I said, I believe him. And Darren's like, whoa. He's like, yes. He goes, this is the Lord. He, I said, I don't really understand, but I believe him. And I believe it's for me, and I want it. And anyways, that's the end of that story. So here's where this fits in. Humility is key to being able to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I'm going to talk about what it means to submit here in just a second. Proverbs 16, 18 says that pride goes before destruction. Pride goes before a fall is a misquote of that verse. There it is. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Really, it's just pride is bad. You can just sum that up. Pride also goes before divorce, felonies, broken friendships, broken relationships with family members, etc. Pride's usually at the root of every sin. Um, we live in a we live in a don't tell me how to live my life culture, right? Did you guys know that? Uh, I don't need you to tell me what to do. Who are you to tell me what to do? Those types of things. Um, who are you to try to give advice? Your life is a mess. Why are you so great as to be able to speak into my life? How dare you come and tell me, you know, that I'm doing something wrong? Look at you. Um, but we bought into the lie that somehow if you've arrived or you've, like, arrived where you answer, if, if you answer to no one. Or basically, you have life. You live like you have life or everything all figured out, then like all of a sudden you're the cream that rose to the top. Like that, like somehow this, you up on the pedestal by yourself is like the epitome of arrival. And that's just, 
opposite of what the Bible teaches. It's just opposite. Jesus was God in flesh, and he chose to spend his years in ministry with a whole bunch of people every day. If Jesus wasn't just this lone ranger, lone wolf, what makes us think that we can be? Um, submitting means to literally means to yield oneself, yield oneself to the authority or will of another. So it's this voluntar- like voluntarily becoming subject, voluntarily becoming uh, subject or yielding to someone else. Do you know what I felt really prompted by the Lord to kind of study the word? I'm not going to go into all the word study here, but the antonym of submission or like the opposite of submitting is defiance. Defiance. That's strong. Submitting is a, is a Christianese term that we throw around a lot, right? There's a lot of uproar about wives submit to your husband. That one verse, it's like there's so much misunderstanding. There's so much argument. There's so much fire back and forth. But like when you think about like this word submit, it's used tons of times in the New Testament. Tons of times. It's not just that one. But when you think about the weight of it, sometimes you have to think about what the opposite of it is. If the Lord's choosing to use a word, then he's, he's putting an exclamation mark on a point. So you ha- in order to understand the exclamation, you have to understand what he's not saying. Don't be defiant. That's what he's saying. Defiance or open resistance is dangerous. What does it sound like? It sounds like the enemy. He's defiant openly resistant. So I want to tell you some ways this verse right here, it's a standalone, even, it's not just a standalone verse, it's a standalone paragraph in, in the book of Ephesians. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And if it takes humility to do that, I'm going to tell you, had I not had that bit of humility in that moment, I could not have submitted to Seth and what he was sharing. I could not have. And who knows where I would be probably still praying in English. (laughs) But I'm so thankful that the Lord had mercy on me in that moment. I'm so thankful because I I track a lot of where I am today back to a few key moments. And that was one of them. That was a key moment that I'll never forget. It's funny. There's part of it that's funny. But it's part of it that is so sobering when I realized how easily and how closely I came to missing it. How closely I came because his belief system suddenly didn't line up with mine. Therefore, could I receive what he was saying? And it was God speaking through him. There is, I'm going to tell you some, there's some dangers and things to look out for as we submit. But I'm going to tell you three ways that I think that we can uh, practically submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. Number one, if you're taking notes, seek out wise counsel. Seek out wise counsel. Too many people are trying to do things alone. Too many people are trying to fix marriages or ignoring what needs to be fixed in marriages. Too many people trying to figure out parenting. Too many people trying to manage immense stress of just life. Too many people trying to navigate trauma and loss. Too many people trying to navigate all stuff by themselves, especially men. You're not good enough. No, I mean, like, you're not that good. You're not. You're great, but you're not that good. You have to have help. 
I have to have help. I, I, I'm fully aware at where I suck. And that, I, I mean, not fully aware, right, as I'll get reminded of continually, but keenly aware. <laughs> and, and, I, and it's still hard for me. I know I need it. I'm used to getting it. I have guys I go to, and it's still hard. I'm telling you, when my kids, like, because they're, they're still growing, right? So, like, tomorrow will be, like, the first time we ever parented a however old Zeb's going to be tomorrow child. And it's new things. And I'm telling you what, when a new thing comes up, I'll go to the Lord. And if I don't get an answer, I'll tell you what I do not do. I do not go, well, we'll just figure it out. And that's dumb. I call somebody else who's already been there, who I really respect the way that their kids turned out and how they parent. Like, what did you do when this and that? And Zeb, you're a great son, so don't hear me say this. You're not that hard. I'm just saying. Anything that comes up. When things come up in our marriage, we're almost to 15 years, and things still come up. When things come up, oftentimes I'll just call somebody who's been married a lot longer than I have who has a healthy marriage, who I really respect, who is imitating Christ, therefore I want to imitate them, and I'll say, hey, what should I do? Some of y'all have come to me for marriage advice, and a lot of the advice that I give you I've gotten from other men and women who are better at it than I am. Seek out wise counsel. You're not, you just can't do it alone. You need to ask for advice, help, and wisdom. Proverbs twelve fifteen says that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. Actually, reading Proverbs is a really cool, you know, you can do the proverb a day thing for a month and then start over. Except for in February, you miss out on some really good ones. It's, it's hard, but yeah. But, uh, but I'll tell you, chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter in Proverbs. If you read Proverbs and don't seek wisdom, you read it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like you read it wrong. I mean, it's, it's key for us, men and women, we have to have wisdom. It has to be God's wisdom. Man's wisdom can get you somewhere, oftentimes in trouble. God's wisdom is always steadfast. Um, ask for advice, help, and wisdom. Look for people who are imitating Christ so you can imitate them. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He's like, I'm following Jesus. You can follow me. That's fine. That's fine. You know, when you're looking around with your eyes, you can't necessarily see Jesus because he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. But you can see people who are following Jesus, who are the hands and feet of Jesus. That's what I do. I look at Kyle. I told him a couple weeks ago, I wrote, wrote him a letter. I said, you help me. I look at things in you. He's younger than me. He's been saved less years than I have. He has younger kids than I do, been married less, less amount of years than I have. And I receive from him. Which is the last point in this seek out wise counsel. Don't make the foolish mistake of overlooking people younger than you in age or in the faith. Because it is a foolish mistake. It's religious. It's one of the reasons why the Pharisees and religious leaders missed Jesus when he was right in front of them. He didn't come in the package that they thought that he should come. 
And if you think that all of the advice and wisdom and help that's going to come your way is going to come from wise old sages, you're wrong. I've learned a lot from my children. I have. One time Zeb got a, uh, I just told Timothy this a couple weeks ago. One time Zeb, for his birthday, got a $50 bill. It was like, I don't even know how old you were, seven or something. It was years ago. He got a $50 bill, and he's like, oh, wow, you know, <laughs> like, yes, you know. So like a day later, he's like, Dad, I want to give the, the 50 as an offering. I tried to talk him out of it. With man's wisdom. Thank you. I was like, Zeb, maybe you should just give 10%. quickly repented when I realized what came out of my mouth. I was so thankful that he learned that generosity from me and Caleb. And then I forgot it. When, and when it comes out of his mouth, and he, and he taught me and reminded me, and he was like seven. You start overlooking kids, you've overlooked the Holy Spirit. Okay. Don't overlook people younger than you in age or in the faith. Listen, 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you're, because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity. Now, this is, a, this is a lesson to Timothy. Don't let people look down on you because you're young. But if we don't look at this verse and not look down on people because they're young, we miss the point too. Seek out wise counsel. Number two. Look for ways to serve. Okay, so remember this verse is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we look at the life of Christ and see how he lived so that we can submit uh, accordingly. But look for ways to serve. Jesus came, Matthew 20, 28, says he came to serve, not to be served. The Savior of the world came to be a servant. You guys know this, but think about this. The Savior of the world came to serve the world that he was saving. It makes no sense. It's completely backwards. Actually, it's completely forwards, and the world is backwards. People, you know, I used to say, and people still say, like, we live in an upside-down kingdom. Our kingdom is right-side-up. God's kingdom is right-side-up. Every other kingdom is upside-down. That's the way we need to look at it. Um, but uh, Philippians 2.7, it says that he came and took the form of a bondservant. There's a whole message in there about bondservant we don't have time to get into today. But he came and took the form of a bondservant. So Jesus in John 13, to look for ways to serve. John 13, my favorite passage of scripture. Study out the whole thing. It's when he washes the disciples' feet. It says Jesus, having fully realized who he was, where he came from, and where he was going. Right? That he came from the Father and was returning to the Father. So in that moment of Jesus as a man, fully realizing and stepping into Everything that he is and came to do and came to accomplish and where he came from and where he's going, in that moment, he bent over and grabbed the towel 
and wash the disciples' feet. In that moment, not the day before, but in that moment, it's like the highest peak of what we would consider royalty or the opposite of a servant. Okay, if you have a servant here, Jesus in this moment of fully realizing that he is God takes a towel and washes the disciples' feet. The lowest form of service, highest form of service. Look for ways to serve. Philippians 2, 1 through 4 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in spirit and of one mind. Now listen to this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Number three, stay low. Stay low. Humility is a process. Okay, don't stop pursuing it. You know, we used to make a joke about, I'm the most humble person I know, right? Or like, hey, I'm humble now. Like, it's okay. I'm humble now. Like, once you think you've arrived, you haven't. So, so like, celebrate, celebrate your process of humility with milestones, realizing that you responded differently than you would have a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. I still do this. I, I kn- all I know is that I'm more humble today than I was 10 years ago. But when I die, I want others to say, he was a humble man. Because that's how you, that's how we measure it. You don't measure yourself. You let the Lord measure you. And as we submit to others, we let others measure us. But I can think that I'm humble all day. But until that humility is felt and experienced through the people that I live with, through my wife, my kids, through all of you, it's really just a label. All right, stay low. Next point is uh, the low road is usually the right road. I've been in a lot of situations, and I know you have too, where you have an opportunity to make a prideful comment. And I'm not talking about overtly malicious prideful comment. I'm talking about I need them to know that I know type of comment. I need them to know that I'm educated here. I need them to know that I've experienced this. I need them to know that I know what they're about to say. I need them to know fill in the blank. Those types of, you give me a lot of situations, and I've been in a lot of situations, and I'm telling you what, I've been in situations where I'm sitting around a table or in a room or on a phone call or whatever, and something will come up, and I'm like, and I can feel it coming up. And it's like, eh, and in that moment of just being quiet and not needing to say anything, you can, you can see the Lord smile. I'm serious. I, I, I remember the first time I did it. Isn't that sad? It was not that long ago. Like, 
It's not like when I was a kid and it's some lost memory. I remember, the, I remember going, well, that was different. And then, and then I experimented for like a week. I'd like purposely go into a conversation and just not say anything. And I'm like, that was delightful. Wow. I mean, it's hard. It's very hard because I'm a doer and a fixer and I am a planner and I'm a leader and I'm very organized and I'm also I also have a lot of knowledge about a lot of things. And so it's it's easy for me to be like sure sure sure. And I'm quick to be like I don't know anything about that. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Kaylee's like can you fit I'm crocheting this beanie. Can you fix it? No. I can't. I don't even know anyone you know where to start. But there's certain things but so but taking that low road is usually the right road. Lastly here, the sacrifices that you make when you stay low, when we're submitting one to another, when we're going to somebody else and coming under their authority and coming under their wisdom and coming under their counsel, the sacrifices that we make in that are all worth it. Listen to me. When you submit to your wife's preference, husbands, when you submit to your boss's way of doing something, even though it wasn't what you thought was the best idea, Wives, when you submit to your husbands, when you disagree, and you do it joyfully and wholeheartedly, not begrudgingly under your breath, and then go call your mom and tell her how much you're frustrated with your husband. <laughs> I'm serious. Or your sister, or your cousin, or whoever. But you honor your husband. When you submit to your friend's advice about parenting, even though it wasn't your idea. When you submit to brothers or sisters on input about your marriage or your job or uh, whatever relationship you're in, and you realize, you know, that you waited way too long to ask, there's a lot of humility that it takes to go, well, gosh, I should have asked years ago, so now I'm not going to ask at all. It's embarrassing. Whatever you think you're losing, the gain outweighs it. Whatever you think is lost in that sacrifice is the enemy trying to keep you from the gain and the promise that the Holy Spirit, that the Lord himself wants to release to you as you submit one to another. Is this making sense? All right. That was just the intro. No, I'm just kidding. I'm done. <laughs> Worship team, come back up, please. Um, in the days ahead, in the days ahead, weeks, months, years, my prayer has been and will be uh, that true fellowship and community become of utmost important to us. I shared a little bit about this in our home group on Friday. The body of Christ, listen, stay engaged for a few more minutes. The body of Christ is a gift to the body of Christ. Did you hear that? The body of Christ is a gift to the body of Christ. We would do well to receive the gift. We would do well to utilize it to its fullest extent. If we are, if we're engaging with the body of Christ for 90 minutes on a Sunday morning, you're missing out on some really key points that the Lord has built into the body of Christ for us. If we read Acts 2, 42 through 46, they, the early church, they dedicated themselves to four main things, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer and the apostles teaching none of those things are possible without fellowship you see that fellowship and community are the foundation 
of what makes us the body of Christ outside of Christ. I'm, I'm talking about the practical outworking. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about the practical outworking. Now, I don't know about you. Now, I love church. I mean, I love the Sunday morning worship service. I, I love it. I really, I always have. It's great. But there's just not much fellowship that takes place. And if, right? Do you, do you know why, why everybody comes in late? Do you know why? People come in late. Worship teams worked hard. They're coming in late. I'm piling on the guilt now. Worship teams work hard. They practice. They start on time every week, and y'all come in late. You know, you want to know why? Because you crave fellowship, and you lack it, and you're trying to get it. Some of y'all just sleep late, but the people that want to talk out in the lobby for minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes because you crave fellowship and lack it. Understand, understand that the desire is there. That's a godly desire. You are supposed to want to do that. What's the solution? I don't know. It's probably multifaceted. But I'm telling you that if we continue, if, if we if we think that a that a Sunday morning meeting is going to be enough, or that we even will have an opportunity to submit to one another on a Sunday morning not even going to happen. We've actually encased and protected ourselves from being able, from having to submit to one another by making sure that we're not in fellowship with one another. If I, I sat at home group on Friday night and listened to Abigail Gore. How old is Abigail? 20, she's 20 years old. She's 20 years old. And I listened to her give an exhortation to somebody that could have preached. It did preach. There's so much wisdom in it. I'm learning. I'm submitted to her. I listened to Carrie Nichols give one. I, I, I'm like, I'm like, if I, if I don't have that space, if I don't have extra time, if I'm not actually making a making a effort to get together with brothers and sisters one to another throughout the week, throughout your weeks, if I'm not doing that, I'm actually not even putting myself in a position where I can do what this verse says to do. Coming in at 1040 and leaving as ministry time begins on a Sunday morning is beneficial, but you are missing out on the fellowship piece. And if you miss out on the fellowship piece, you miss out on the benefits of the body of Christ because the body of Christ is a gift to the body of Christ. And by purposefully missing out on it, you, are, the Lord, we were just talking to somebody this morning, the Lord has this massive banqueting table, like the one you made for Micah and Lorena's wedding. That was huge. This massive banqueting table laid out, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to get an olive, thanks. I'm good. And he's like, no, come and eat as much as you want. Come and eat as much as you want good, I'm just going to have a cracker, man, I'm fasting, so it's okay. He's like, no, don't fast right now, eat, 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 eat. That's what it's like. Would you stand? I just encourage you. I think the reason why this, when this passage was put on my heart, why it was on the Lord's heart, I think the reason is tied into his heart for us to have deeper and stronger community and fellowship, and I promise you, it will create more rub and more relational issues. But 
that's where unity is found in working through those things. I've had to work through hard things with some of you, <laughs> with others. And it, it, but it's so good because when there's humility on both sides, both people come out of it strengthened and in greater, greater unity with the Spirit. And I think that that's why it's on the Lord's heart because he's saying in the days ahead, you think you have community now? You are going to need community. It is going to be necessary for what I am doing. And I'm telling you, it's so much better to be prepared ahead of time than to be playing catch-up. I hate playing catch-up. I hate it. God is so good, and he lays these things out in front of us a lot of the times to say, I don't want you behind the, behind the eight ball. I'm going to let you know what I'm doing now so you can get ready for it. Prayer teams, you guys can come forward. Let me just pray real quick, and I'm going to invite up Pastor Glenn to lead us in our ministry time. Holy Spirit, would you please work right now, God, continue. Lord, convict and cut, but Lord, also mend and heal. What a good God you are to convict and cut and mend and heal, and it's all good when it's from you. God, cut me to my own heart. Father, I don't ever want to be guilty of not practicing what I preach. chief hypocrite in comparison to you, Lord. Father, I pray that you would give us healthy, Holy Spirit-driven desire for true fellowship within the body of Christ. God, the humility to submit to one another out of reverence for you, Jesus. You got, you, Jesus, you even submitted to your mother and father as you were beginning to realize who you were. The Bible, the word of God says, you submitted and obeyed. What an example you set for us. To obey and submit and, be, and come and humble yourself and become flesh and take on the form of a bondservant and die for us. Help us, Lord, to step into the benefits that we have as part of the body of Christ. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.